For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Now charging towards goal, Wilson to the right, Sam Maxima might go it alone, he might go it alone, Alan Sam Maxima, brilliant, brilliant goal to turn it around and give Newcastle the lead, Sam Maxima ran from halfway to the edge of the Burnley box, cut inside, onto his left, could have given it to Wilson but took it on himself and drills it into the bottom right corner, they've come from behind to lead, Sam Maxima the scorer, Burnley one, Newcastle United 2. Oh, it's a great goal. Richie, he sticks the ball in. Oh, yes! Oh, yes! This time it's in! And Willock. it's Joe Willock off the bench to score again. Willock with a header. Fabianski got something on it. I think it may have clipped the bar as well. But they've gone back in front. They'd only been level West Ham for a matter of minutes. A great ball in. And Joe Willock with the header. His third goal for the club, 83 minutes, Newcastle United 3, West Ham United 2. Great response. Yeah, credit to them. That's fantastic. Ball was ruled out to the edge of the box, headed down. Joe Willock, yes! Oh, yes! This one counts! They've got an equaliser now, Newcastle, and he's done it again. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's 1-1 now, and Willock has come off the bench to score for a third match in succession, and they do get something. It's unbelievable. It's Liverpool 1, Newcastle United. Welcome to episode 174 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Coxall. Newcastle United keep getting points. In the most unfashionable ways, we have now reached a point where we are nine points clear with 15 possible points to go. Uh, Newcastle, you have to feel a lot better about where we're at now, and we're excited to talk about it. Uh, For this, we'll talk about the last couple matches, who's hot, who's not. We'll talk about how dead the Super League is. Steve Bruce, BS Meter, Odds and Ends, and also we'll be ending it with a nice little preview of our next victim, Arsenal, um, who Elijah notoriously thinks is uh, – it's every, everyone knows Elijah thinks Arsenal's the best team in England. Um, so we'll talk more about that, but let's bring him in. The best damn coast in the land, Elijah Newsom. How are you, dear sir? First and foremost, I need to give a shout-out to my mom uh, because – I mentioned that I was going to shout her out and she was like, I listen to every episode and you haven't mentioned me once. So um, shout out to my mom for doing mom things and uh, I don't know, birthing me and keeping me alive. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to the moms Educating everywhere. You cooking dinner. Yes. Yes. And by the way, role hey, model, all those things you want to add to <laughs> by, by the way, um, <laughs> It Mother's Day is in like two weeks, so if you haven't started thinking, this is a good time to start thinking about what you want to get your mom. So uh, just just a fair warning to everyone out there. Mother's Day is in two weeks. But yeah, Greg, I'm excited to talk. We haven't we haven't potted in a while. I think the last time we were on the mic together was talking about the old uh, European Super League, yes. which uh, is now defunct, RIP. Uh, it lasted a total of two days. Um, we recorded a episode. 
uh, about it and mentioned that the players would probably not be for it. And then the next day, the Premier League captains all got together and opposed it, and then it died. So uh, shout out to European Super League. Gone, yeah, but it's, it's important. It's, it's also cool to know for us that the players really do listen to this pod mm. and that they wait for our opinions and then it shows that you know, oh, well, they don't like it. So let, let's get on that page. So, yeah, it, it's, I thought it was a little bit weird. Jordan Henderson, I mean, just listening to this pod, he's a Liverpool guy, not at all really any sort of ties to Newcastle pods. I don't know why he would look, but it's but he's, good he's he scouting for the upcoming match. So. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, he was, he was, he was yeah. trying to see what our mindset was ahead of then ahead of that. It didn't work for him, obviously, but um, it worked yeah. for 95 of the minutes. Yeah. <laughs> It, I mean, it, technically it worked for 92 of the minutes because i'm pretty sure cal scored in the 93rd minute or something like oh that. Yeah, like, yeah yeah yeah. that guy cannot score in the first half to save his life um so shout out to cal wilson uh anyway you can follow me on twitter at elijah underscore newsome follow the main account at coming up in ufc the podcast account at chn pod underscore podcast um and follow greg at what is you what are you at greg underscore in ufc other way in ufc underscore greg i was close i was close um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, we've got good tweets going. Uh, we're actually doing a blackout this weekend. I didn't even tell the staff this. Doing a blackout this weekend alongside other SB Nation sites. So um, we will not actually be tweeting from the coming of Newcastle account. And Greg, this is now putting you on the spot. Are we going to tweet from the CHN podcast account this weekend? Well, no, you're you're the fearless leader, so I guess not. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess not. So. Wait, um, I didn't hear about this. Tell, why are we? Why is there? What happened? Yeah, I, I I didn't hear about this either because uh no, sorry, no big deal. Uh, your boy's employed now, so I know everyone who listens to this podcast really cares. Um, but apparently the Premier League clubs are doing a blackout this weekend. Um, and I was approached by some of the other sites. This is kind of like getting into news with the podcast, so we'll just rock with it. Um, I was I was approached by a couple other um. SB Nation sites about this. It's a social media boycott from Friday the 30th until Monday the 3rd of May uh, in response to discriminatory discriminatory abuse received online by players and many others connected to football. So there have been a couple of players um, and teams, uh, and this is done with, I think it's the EFL, the FA, Premier League, Women's Super League, Women's Championship, the PFA, the LMA, kicking out women in football. So basically every organization in, in British soccer um, is doing this, but there have been a couple of instances with some of the other clubs where um, players have been racially abused online after, uh, after matches, whether it be a mistake they made or just like they've done something good against another team. So it's kind of just a, a stand in solidarity moment. So um, all of the SB nation premier league blogs are taking part in this. Um, the only actually British blog that's not any part of this, I think, is oh wow, look at that. Interestingly enough, there's no Sunderland blog on here. Huh. Maybe because they're not a Premier League blog. So guess it doesn't apply to them. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. And I wish it was longer than three days and not during a holiday. But um well, a holiday for people in England, but any any work is good work towards that. So yeah, I mean it's it's it is relevant since aren't there? There's matches this weekend, so like 
Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like there's a blackout and there's matches. Like it's insane. So um but Wait, I don't know yeah. if it's a club by I don't know if it's club by club basis. I think it's just like I think it is just the main accounts. So okay. um yeah, so let's talk about this. So new, so let, let's dive into Newcastle. Oh, wait, we're, real quick. Literally, it's every club in England is just not going to be providing Twitter or Facebook updates. From the 30th until when? Monday. Monday the 3rd. Third. Third. Okay, so yeah, so Newcastle's match will be Twitter. Yeah, so we will get no Twitter updates, no starting lineups from the main account. So we'll have to uh, turn the tweet notifications on for Lee Ryder. Mm, yeah. Something uh, you don't hear often there. No, no, no. I definitely go Chris Woff here. So, Yeah, you know, you go Chris Woff. No, you go Lee Ryder because Lee's ve- he's, he's very much a guy who uh, gets to the stadium and immediately tweets out the lineup piece of paper. I think mm-hmm. if you go on a go lineup, you turn on tweet notifications for Lee Ryder. He's he's that's like his one thing is like being the first guy to tweet out the lineup. Like Chris Woff is like he takes a second to dissect it and then he tweets it out. But Lee is like, if there's anything I want to do today, it's going to tweet out this lineup. All right, let's do it. Let's tweet out nothing and talk about Newcastle's last two matches, which are glorious. So. 3-2 win over West Ham. 1-1 draw against Liverpool. Elijah, my first question to you. Who's the hot boy for Newcastle United? You have to pick one hot boy. Who is it? I mean, I, it, it's it's obviously Joe Willick. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you. I don't think you can pick anyone else. Um, it's uh, he's he's been good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, to say to say the least, uh, he scored a, a match tying goal at the end of uh, it. Came on, scored a match tying goal, scored a match winner, and then scored another match tying goal. So <laughs> it's really hard to go anything against Joe Willock. In fact, Greg, um, at some point in this podcast, we'll play all the Joe Willock goals. Maybe it'll be at the beginning. Maybe it will be right now. Who knows? Yeah, but Joe Willock, he's the guy. Um, so we, so yeah, so Joe Willock, hot boy status confirmed. Like, I mean, getting, getting the big goals when we need it, pretty or not, the ball's going into the net, and that's what matters. And he's getting in the right places to do that. Um, I think Joe, like, and as I've said since the day he came on board, I've always said he would be a stellar player. And Elijah doubted that from the beginning ago. He said that, that Joe Willick would not make any difference. And so I want to just go on record saying that Joe is. I, I said that he would be one of our players. I even said like running late runs into the box, scoring like an in injury time will be one of his strengths with us. So I was dead on there. Um, and then the <laughs> other player to talk about is the best player for Newcastle. And for me, that's Alan St. Maximin. In these last two matches, he, I think he was man of the match against West Ham. And if it wasn't, if Dubrovka didn't exist, I think he easily was man of the match for Newcastle against Liverpool as well. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, and even you can go as far as back even before that. I think ever since yeah, he's come back, he was. yeah, like ever since he's come back, it's been a little bit worrying. I think one of our writers, Alex, has been very much concerned. He even went as far to say Newcastle should sell Alan St. Maximum this summer, get maximum value for him because 
it's not yeah maximum value for him yeah it's not sustainable to be completely reliant on one player which is actually a fair point um my argument is that newcastle are not relying on just one player but definitely at a minimum two and you can argue for a third depending on if the manager has common sense i think it would be ridiculous to ignore the fact that Newcastle are not in the situation they are in now without Callum Wilson scoring 10 goals in 21 matches. Like, I feel like you cannot ignore that when talking about this Newcastle squad. It was a long time ago. Um, but I think at the, at, if you go back to like Newcastle fans in November, they would say that, um, that Callum Wilson was our best player and that like we would be screwed without Callum Wilson. And when he went down injured, people were very concerned. It wasn't so much Alistair Maxman because let's be honest, he's barely played this season. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean, again, great. The last couple of matches um, definitely, I would say is up there deserves, deserves all the praise. I'd say Martin Dubrovka is another person who, whose stock has definitely risen the past couple of matches. Um, just, a lot of just insanely good saves. And of course, like the West Ham match is probably the only blemish on his, on his, his, his current run of form, but there was some stuff that was completely out of his control. Uh, and, and, you know, like you can't like, I mean, asking him to save a penalty. He's not, he's not uh he's not Tim cruel. He's not the penalty uh, stopping specialist. So, I mean, it's unfortunate. Some of those things happen. Uh, so definitely his stocks up. Greg, I want to throw another player name out here. Who oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Who's kind of like, I wouldn't say their stock's like up, but there's like a, okay, this person is makes it difficult for Steve Bruce in his 11, and that's been Sean Longstaff. He came in, was good against Burnley, was solid against West Ham, was okay in this last match against Liverpool, but has done enough uh, to at least displace Jeff Hendrick. And it's made a, a serious sort of situation for a lot of fans, not serious, but like a interesting situation for a lot of fans who want Joe Willock, of course, as we've mentioned, probably the hottest player in Newcastle right now, to start. But no one's saying he should start over Sean Longstaff. They're all saying he should start over John Joe Shelby. Um, and so that I don't know. It's just something worth mentioning. And it's a player who, like, he was open about it. I think he did a uh, an interview in one of the um, the, uh, the the match guides. I mean, he was very open about the fact that, like, I mean, in Bruce's Newcastle, like, as we've alluded to multiple times, he does tend to, like, stick with guys. And, like, you have to really impress in practice. And then when you have your opportunities in game, you have to impress or he will drop you. Um, unless, of course, you're one of his favorites. I don't think Sean said that, but he kind of alluded to it. And he's done that. I mean, he was he was good against Burnley. Like, he was legitimately really good against Burnley and then again West Ham first half he was good West Ham second half I think everyone took the foot off the gas all this all this stuff is just it's 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 good to see Sean Longstaff returning to the Rafa era Sean Longstaff any other players you'd say stock rising for um yeah well I want to I want to talk about what you said about Sean Longstaff because uh I, I don't I think both of us agree on this point that we don't see how like I don't see how Newcastle can be okay with just continuing on with John Joe Shelby. Uh something needs to change there. You have potential. I mean, John Joe's not ancient either, but you, you have potential with Sean Longstaff. He's only 23. John Joe, I think, is 29, about to be 30, something like that. Or he's either 29 or 30, one of the two. So like 
you you know what you're going to get with John Joe, but Sean can be something. He's not, he's not, I mean, yeah, this could be his prime, but like really 27, you want him to be out of his peak. So you can yeah. mold him into something great. Um, and Joe Willick, the same. He, Joe Willick's obviously coming in two years younger than Sean Longstop, by the way. He's obviously coming in and making an impact pretty quickly in his sub appearances. So if you have somebody, so there's two, I'm t- making this way longer than it needs to be, but there's two areas. One is there is a real thing, I think, of, the value of a super sub. I've, if you like an OG listener of this, I always talk about the value of a super sub and how like, Omron could be a massive super sub. Like those. Jose Perez was, was actually, yeah. that was one of your knocks on him was that he would just be much more effective coming off the bench than he is the entire full 90 Not because hurt. he gives you 15 minutes of effort. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan yeah. Fraser is a player that we actually both have discussed his role in Newcastle probably is as a super sub right now. Yeah. Like even going forward, I would be shocked if Newcastle, like even if Eddie, if you bring in Eddie Howe or Eddie Hill, whatever his name is as a manager, like I think he would rather get another young dynamic winger and then have Ryan Fraser come off the bench or just kind of be a spot starter because he's been really good at doing that. Yeah. So that that's the one option is that like, super sub role which is working so i don't want to mess that up but joey joey deserves a shout to start and i'd love to see more option more chances of him playing 90 minutes and like yeah that means john joe is not going to play because you're not going to sub john joe on and like what i mean, mean maybe sean's not going to play what's that you're saying sean's not going to play no, no no i'm saying that we should put joe in for john joe okay and, okay. but, and and that means John Joe's done because you're not going to – I mean, if you sub him on, that's a Steve Bruce move for sure. But um, you'd want to sub on somebody with more attacking intent than that unless we're getting like, pumped 4-0. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, it, it's a, a little bit of a catch-22 because you have something great with Joe, and you can put him in, have him absolutely run havoc for 30 minutes and make something happen, or you can see if you can do it for 90, which is the whole reason why Arsenal loaned him to us, is so he can play yeah. 90 minutes. And so I think the, the the tough thing here is that he did do it for 90 when he were playing the 4-4-2 diamond. Yeah. And now that we move to the 5-3-2, it's, he hasn't had that opportunity, but it's it's kind of hard to think that he wouldn't. Like, he had a couple bad matches, like not and bad in the sense of like just not as effective, but the entire team was bad. And so it's like, and of course, you were missing some of the players that make Joe Willock dangerous. Like, Joe Willock being a late, like, into-the-box runner is effective because you have a Alan St. Maxman or a Miguel Amaron or a Callum Wilson already distracting the attention of center backs. So when you don't have that and he obviously struggles and the entire team struggles, it's like you can't really fault him um, because like he's best used as a sort of like late runner kind of ball carrying midfielder that he's not at this stage in his career. The guy's going to do it all. He's not a De Bruyne. Like you're like you, I mean, so I don't know. It's it's tough. And I agree with you. Like it's it's John Joe's gotta be the guy to go, but I'm also realistic. I know that there's just no way in hell John Joe Shelby's getting dropped under Steve Bruce. It's Steve Bruce for some reason has an infatuation with John Joe Shelby um and loves him to death. And John Joe has always he has not criticized Steve Bruce once. Um, he's in fact praised Steve Bruce, um, whether he wants to or not. So it's it's just really tough because you're in a weird situation where realistically 
the 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 option should be to drop John Joe and roll with a midfield of Almiron, Sean Longstaff, and Joe Willick, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, another player I want to bring into the fold here is Miguel Almiron. Okay. What are your thoughts gonna... about him in the last two? I mean, I think it's it's tough because he's he's not a central midfielder. We've seen this already uh, this season. I mean, there was the Ryan Frazier, the infamous Ryan Frazier, Miguel Almiron, Jeff Hendrick, uh, central midfield part trio that just was a disaster. And it's like, yes, for as much as Miguel Almiron is is good at getting back and tracking back, and you love the work rate, there's other elements to being a central midfielder. Believe it or not besides just tracking back and like some of his positioning just has not been good in the central midfield role in this five, three, two. And it's tough because like Newcastle almost have to play a five in the back formation because they need that extra cover from another center back because there is no Isaac Hayden, but unfortunately Miguel Amron suffers probably the most in this formation uh, because he's just not a central midfielder. And so that's something to kind of address in the summer is that like, there's a way to get the best out of all your players, but you have to recruit in order to do that. And so, and also you have to have a manager that's like able to use them in their best, their ability. I think if Rafa's here, he finds a different way to use Miguel on whether it be as a secondary striker or doing like a five, I guess a five, two, three, I think maybe that would be, and, and may play Miguel out wide as a winger and Allison Maxwell out wide as a winger or have some sort of two narrow attacking mids uh, that can kind of free roam uh, behind Callum Wilson or Joel Linton or something like that. Uh, so that, I mean, but again, Steve Bruce is not that manager who's not going to do that. So right now we're stuck yeah. with Miguel in the central midfield, which is, it's just tough because right now it's, like Joe Willick and Sean Longstaff sounds like a better midfield pair. If you cannot drop John Joe Shelby, than Miguel Amaron and Sean Longstaff. Um, and so that's worth noting. I think a player to also two players that I think stocks have risen um, despite me openly on this podcast, uh, trashing both these players and call them sort of overrated and saying that both of these players um, just have their moments and have not been consistent enough. Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie have have genuinely been almost you you could say they've been one of the big reasons that Newcastle picked up results. Both have been somewhat solid defensively, and just the width that they provide, and the fact that we've got like like they're both converted wingers, and they both were cross happy wingers. So it's nice to see Newcastle swinging in decent balls, and both of them have fully embrace the fact that they are not playing as winners anymore. They have embraced the wing back role. And that's been, that's been good to see. I don't know if it's a permanent solution, but like Javi Mankio, like has been, who is a good fullback has been completely displaced by Jacob Murphy. And like, you can make the argument that it is warranted. Jacob Murphy has been solid. He has been defensively able to, to handle some of the best attackers in the prem and has been completely competent and has been good going forward. So, I mean, I do think those two players definitely deserve a shout out um, as players that stock is going up. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I, one other player I want to mention one last player is Joel Linton. Yeah. Mixed uh, bag. Huh? <laughs> 
It's been a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, got is, and I put in quotes, goal against West Ham. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on him? Is he rising? Is he not rising? Is he normal? <laughs> normal with maybe a couple extra goals here. He is scoring, which is yeah. It's so, ah, man, I feel so bad. And someone tweet me this. There was someone who did. Oh, I feel so bad because it's one of our longtime listeners, but I just don't have the tweet up in front of me. That I think in the beginning of the season, Greg, you might have um, tweeted out like expectations for Joel Linton or like bold predictions. And someone legit said that Joel Linton was going to get like six goals total or something like that, like two non league and like four league goals, something like that. And he's one away from reaching that goal, which is hilarious. Um, but it's been weird because there's been there's been flashes of what Joel Linton could be. But there's also been flashes of like, this is what we kind of expected. Like, or this is kind of the same old, same old. And so it's tough because there you can still, unfortunately, say like, Joel Linton's not at his best because he's playing under Bruce. But there's also moments that are like, ah, he might not be Premier League ready. So it's like, it's it's a tough thing to 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 balance, and we'll see what happens in the summer. It's a big summer. Um, I think a lot of teams are going to have a little bit more cash to spend, and we'll see what happens. Like I'm curious to see what Newcastle do with Joel Linton because it's not completely out of the question that they move on. I'm sure they'll have to be, accept that loss, but the amount of wages he's on, like even if you make, it, it's one of those things where it's like you can legitimately want. By the way, like you know, for example, bring in a Joe Willock, pay him, you know not as much as Joel Linton, but pay him wages. And it's like that you're getting a player that will contribute now and make you better versus Joel Linton, who's still very much a project. Or it's like, if there's a different manager who, who sees how they can use Joel Linton a little bit more effectively and craft the team uh, and, and craft them tactically to make it so that Joel Linton is actually shining and not worth the 40 mil, but at least worth like 20 mil. I could also see that happening too. So it's a weird crosswords of like, there's been a lot of flashes of brilliance from, from big Joe, but there's been a lot of like, geez, man, you got to get better moments, which is obviously just a frustrating situation to be in if you're a Newcastle fan. Yeah. Um, so let, let's transition a little bit, go to some quotes um, from Steve Bruce, the last two matches. So uh, well, actually before I really dive in in quotes, I will say, that maybe I shouldn't watch matches because the last three matches have come at 4 a.m. Pacific time. And I'm just yeah. not, just not about that life anymore. Newcastle, two wins and a draw in those. So uh, this one's at 6 a.m. Pacific coming up. And usually I'm up and ready for those. I don't know though. <laughs> do I, do I wait this one out? Do I watch the game? Like, what do I do? I mean, uh, it's it's a tough one. It's Arsenal. It's Arsenal is very inconsistent. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that might be one to I don't know. Uh, you're you're asking a lot of me, Greg. Here, uh, so I'm just going to ignore the question. <laughs> Sounds Never. good. Uh, so Steve Bruce said uh, uh, after West Ham, he said I couldn't be more pleased with the way we played first half. We had threat. We were dangerous every time. We got men forward. All the stuff in the first half, we didn't do in the second. Everything asked, we asked for at halftime, we didn't do. Um, it's under, it is understandable. You go too deep. We made it comfortable for West Ham. And then on avoiding relegation, he said, um, it, 
comes with a government health warning, this job. With this club, there's always a sting in the tail. There, there's always seems to be drama. Uh, this is when he was asked about avoiding relegation. And he said, we just had an awful time after Christmas, but very slowly we've done okay in the past few weeks. We've got better, but that has come alongside the big players coming back. I want us to finish above where we finished last year. We've lost one of our past seven games and are starting to show a bit of consistency. Um, oh, and on Joe Willick, he said, we would love to keep him here. He's the type of player you'd love to build your club around, whether we're Ken or not, I'm not sure. And Joe Willick also added to that. He said, I was working on my heading. So I was happy that that goal paid off. Uh, we're getting involved in games way more than we were before. We're controlling the games more. We're having more opportunities. And I think today showed what we can do. I feel like collectively we've grown and through the hard times, we decided we have to stick together. Yeah. Um, something that Joe said against Liverpool, uh, Steve Bruce said, we have to do something about VAR. Uh, it ruins the spectrum. We, we didn't even talk about that. Do you want to? Do you want to like quickly yeah, hop into there. that? <laughs> I mean, I yeah. I mean, I, I guess Newcastle were on the negative end of VAR two weeks in a row. Uh, the handball against West Ham, um, which again, it, that's the rule. And then again, this one, it's the rule. Like it's mm-hmm. not even a VAR thing. It's legitimately the rule. It's more of like a. Like, I understand, like, it's obviously frustrating, but the rule is, like, I want to say uh, with Callum's goal, it's, like, um, it, it's a handball if it deflects off the player's hand and doesn't touch another player before going in the goal, and that's, like, essentially what happened. And, again, it's an unlucky bounce, but on the flip side, Newcastle fans would be livid. They would be absolutely livid if it bounced off Mo Salah's hand and went in the goal. Like, that's just what happens. Like, with the West Ham uh, – handball that resulted in the pen again eric dyer it was a very similar situation like he was jumping up it it grazed his hand it was not intentional like he obviously didn't mean to like he didn't intentionally move his hand forward to touch the ball but it was called a handball newcastle drew like so it's yeah it's annoying but again um that's that's a rule situation with the individual handball rule. It's not a VAR situation. VAR is not the issue. Is VAR in the Premier League not the greatest? Yes, but this was not a good example of that. This was actually a good example of VAR doing its job correctly. Uh, if you have an issue, you have an issue with the rule. That's yeah. that's what it is. That's the at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's the the weirdest thing about like, well, like I think England could learn if they had just looked to see what other leagues are doing, but they're just not doing that, which is one odd thing. Well, anyway, like, yeah, exactly. Like that's what I'm saying. Like VAR has its issues and we've been very public as in like, I think Greg and I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'm not going to speak for Greg and say he's pro VAR, but we've seen VAR because we watch other leagues because I don't know, we're not like obsessed with the prem. Uh, but we've watched how VAR is handled in the Bundesliga. It's great. We've watched how VAR is handled MLS. It's better than the Premier League. So, like, we've seen VAR actually be effective and good and rewarding and, like, an actual, like, oh, yes, they caught this mistake. But the way that the Prem handles VAR right now in terms of every aspect of it, offsides, how long things take, it's just, it's it just reeks of not wanting to learn from other uh, other leagues around the world and 
I honestly think there has to be some sort of FIFA stand-in because VAR is so inconsistent yeah. across the board that it's like you need to just basically make a standard, standard operating procedures for VAR and then apply it to everyone. Just yeah. like we have the same rules for offsides across the world, it needs to be the same for VAR because right now every country, every conference, every regional like entity, they all do it differently and it's all just completely it's a, it's a crapshoot, and you never know what you're going to get. So it just needs to be regulated by FIFA at this point. Yep. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, so Steve Bruce said we need to do something about VAR. This rule um, it ruins the spectacle. It ruins. Uh, oh, it is the rule. VAR is doing its job, but who makes these rules? So now you completely changed everything up on us. <laughs> and then he said uh, we are good enough to stop the Super League. Can we not make our own rules in the Premier League? Great, <laughs> great point. Um, <laughs> he said it was an awful one to go against you. We could have gone. We could have won two to one. Uh, Joe Willick was devastated yesterday when I told him he was not playing, but he has come on in the last three games and scored. I'm so delighted for him. I think he will hate the bag, the tag, which is the super sub tag, which is what I've said. Uh, because yesterday I devastated him by not putting him in the team. I told him the reasons why. Then he picks up a knock in training, and it was a touch and go whether he makes the bench. So to come on and have that impact again, I'm delighted for him. To get three and three, I'm delighted. Uh, speaking of Joe Willock getting three for three. Uh, then against uh, Liverpool, he said that they are very good up front. They have 300 goals between them. We rode our luck a little time in the first half, but I always felt like we were a threat. Um, just at the right time, our big players have come back, and that was vitally important. I was quietly confident when we got the big players back, we would be okay. See, now that's what he's going to – he's like, hey, our struggles was when the big players weren't there, which is, you know, also true. But – Yes, but, like, that that's – you're – I don't know. Like, you're a manager, and, like, you could have done thi- – like – how bad some of the teams that we drew against were playing at the time. It feels like Steve Bruce could have been a little bit more adventurous and how Newcastle played. They were very timid with some of these matches, almost playing not to lose against teams that were in the bottom six. So it's like, I understand what he's saying. And I agree. Like I, I said this on the podcast that I felt like we would be fine once we got these players back Newcastle have legitimately not won a single match this season in which two out of those three players have not appeared. So it's like, yes, that is a not a very hot take that C. Bruce made. But yeah, it's important to get the big guys back. Yeah. Uh, I want to get into a little bit of stats here. Okay. So we've done this. I've asked you this question a few times. Elijah, a substitute has scored for the fourth consecutive game and the sixth time in the Premier League. Between those players, there's four of them. Can you name the four players that have scored six goals as a sub this year? Wait, no, no. The the four players that have scored off the bench this year. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. We this is the third time we've done this. Okay. Uh it's obviously Joe Willick. Yes, he scored and, three. Yes, Andy Carroll. Yep. He goal has the goal year. of the season. Yeah, goal of the year. Uh, Dwight Gale is one yep. of them. And there's Man. one more. 
I think it's Alan St. Maxman because he came off the bench and assisted and scored against Burnley, maybe? Yep. Yep. Oh, got it. Elijah Newsom coming in clutch with the trivia. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So now my next trivia question is extra time goals for Newcastle United this year. Oh, um, easy. Okay, go. Oh, what's the question? I I, uh, I, uh, probably... well, I wasn't going to. Well, yeah. Who who did it? Like name all of our extra time. Extra. Time. Okay, so it's Joe Willock, Callum yep. Wilson. Yep. Times two. Against Spurs and Everton. I want to say the St. Maximin goal the, in Burnley maybe was the 90s. Oh, it wasn't. I, I know it was late. Ah, uh, okay. One other player. There's one other player? Yep. The, we had Willock against Liverpool, Wilson, Callum against Everton and Spurs, and one other player. Would it help if I told you what team it was they played against? No, it'd probably help better if you gave me a position group. But I feel like that might be too easy. Backline. Backline. Okay. Um, okay. I, there's two players I have in mind. And I think it's LaSalle's. You are correct. Yeah, because I remember he had the, the late late goal to, to tie, save Newcastle a point when we were going through that that stretch without the uh, the big three. So Yeah. Um, and then – is the first time Newcastle had not lost to the reigning Premier League champions since the 2011-2012 season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one more update. Congrats to Joe Willick on scoring. But Joe Willick has three goals as a substitute in the Premier League this season. Elijah, how many Newcastle players have done that ever? Four. And just to get, tell you, the substitutes were adopted in 1965. So since Four. 1965. Four. Lower. Really? Well, so yeah. two? Lower. It's only Joe Willick? The only player to ever do that for Newcastle United. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You would have <laughs> felt like in this, the Bossy-Sa years, like one of them would have done it. Yeah. That's the crazy. only player to score uh, – sorry, four goals – Oh yeah, so no. Sorry, I'm, I I'm I misspoke a little bit. So nobody has done it in three straight games. Okay, now that makes sense, that, and I, I can see how that's very Joe Willicky. Yes, uh, nobody's done it in three straight games since that was introduced in 1965. Uh, going to 5:38 before we take a quick break is we have some good news to report. 5:38, they predict how the season's going to go the rest of the year and allow us to see how close we are to relegation. <laughs> um, and it's good news. So I'm happy to report Newcastle United supporters that Newcastle has a 2% chance of getting relegated. It was way, way higher. It was at, I think 52 or 53 was the highest it was at one point. Uh, but now it is, we are a 2% chance. Uh, they're projecting us to finish with 41 points. Um, which would be they're saying we'd be level with Brighton and then Brighton taking the lead on goal difference. And then us at 41 points and then Fulham at 32. So I think we'll finish with a nine point lead, which is what we have currently right now. Um, so congrats to us. Um, we are. Yeah, we're, we're good. Oh, and there's still a chance that Newcastle can finish in the top 10. 
Less than 1%, but it's possible. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a break. We're going to talk about some news on the other side. Let's get after it. We'll be back right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. What's up, Elijah? Yes, nothing is up. Let's 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 hop into this. Yeah, um, we ended the last the the break talking about uh, five thirty eight. Uh, I wanted to mention at least our the global club rankings. Newcastle usually hangs around the 90s in that. Um, with the last five matches, I haven't done this in a little bit. We've improved. We are now the 76th best club. Oh, in the world. that's uh, nice. Just behind Torino um, and just ahead of Norwich. <laughs> uh, that, that's really re- that's really uh, reassuring. Yeah, uh, going ahead of next season. Shout out to uh, Norwich and what, Bournemouth? Have they gained automatic promotion as well? Uh, Norwich and Watford. Oh, I don't know why I said Bournemouth. Wait, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think Wait. so. Uh, someone fact checked us on that. Yeah, we'll we'll let the the, the commoners, our listeners. Oh, I'm already there. It, it, yeah, I'm right. Norwich and Watford. Yeah, shout out to them uh, in the Prem next season. So yeah. uh, good for them. And Watford didn't actually lose a lot of players from their Prem squad. Only a couple guys left, if I remember correctly. So I'm interested to see because the season they got relegated was a bit of a fluke year for them. They're usually like a, a solid mid-table side. So I'm curious to see what happens with them next season. Um, since we're here talking about relegation, shout out Sheffield. to Sheffield United. Yeah, RIP. Yeah, rip. officially rip relegated. To rip to y'all. Uh and shout out to, to West Brom who are just putting the pressure on Fulham. Like I know. <laughs> just, oh my gosh. Just, they're going for it. Like Fat Sam, he you bring him in to keep you up, and they might do it. Uh between Brighton doing Brighton things and Fulham, uh Fulham's in completely awful form right now. Um that I think they've lost like four of their last five or something like that. So not not great form for them. West Brom, not great form either, but good enough to make Fulham nervous. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, the Fulham's done for sure. I mean, West Brom has way more life than Fulham to this point. So yeah, it's it's really it's honestly a matter of if Newcastle can pick up three points in their next four matches, it's done so for Fulham, which is not completely unrealistic. Yeah. Um, especially when you drew Liverpool, you feel like anything's possible, like the soccer gods are in your favor. Um, but I mean, Fulham does look like the the balls are just not bouncing their direction. Yeah. Um, right now. Like they've been incredibly unlucky the past couple matches. And if you're a player in that situation, similar to Bournemouth last year, you kind of start to lose hope and then it's kind of you're kind of done with six, seven matches left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of being done and being relegated, rip ESL mm. European Super League is dead and rightly so. Yeah, your thoughts on how everything went after our pod that we released? Yeah, I mean, you know, like we said earlier, it's wild that the players listen to this pod, but it's not surprising, <laughs> um, at all. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I mean. 
I don't know. It's it was doomed from the beginning. Uh, shout out to Real Madrid for like I. We'll say this: it is really tough to launch a Super League or any sort of league when you don't have all of the teams. So yeah. when they announced this, they had twelve out of fifteen teams, and then Florentino Perez went on to trash like eight teams that would have been good fits for the next three spots. So he's like, he trashes every other Italian team, trashes French teams, trashes other teams in Germany. And then he's like, yeah, like we'll be fine. We're going to get three more teams. It's like, no dude, you alienated Roma, Napoli, Lazio. Like you, it's like, what, what are you doing? Those are the teams that would have probably been fine with joining this league and would have like rounded out your 15, but you alienated them. And then, of course, like like we already mentioned, the players sort of got together. There was a lot of public pressure, probably even more so than I think a lot of the prem owners were imagining. And I mean, Ed Woodward resigned, uh, which was which was crazy. Allegri resigned from yeah. Juve. Uh, so I mean, a lot of a lot of backlash from fans, and it's curious to see what happens afterwards. We already have seen uh, the what was that the Serie A response that they said that no one could basically, you know, join these random leagues. Um, it's I'm curious to see what the Premier League does. Um, Premier League teams had a, a ball uh, making fun of Super League teams. Um, I mean, you can scroll down the list, but pretty much everyone got their jokes in. Uh, there was a Matt Ritchie TikTok, which was pretty funny. Uh, Newcastle also said they, like, drew with the Super League. Uh, you know, just classic banter. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens. Like, is there going to be any punishment for the Premier League, Super League teams? Because a lot of them were orchestrators in this. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any punishment for the La Liga guys, but I'm I'm curious to see what happens with the Premier League sides. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I said, send them out of the Football League altogether. Make them go to the National League. Yeah. Give them to the National League. Give them a salary cap. <laughs> That's comparable to all National League sides. Make them work their way back up. Um, yeah. Oh, and re- really one really quick last thing with the Super League. I know that Arsenal, the the co-founder of Spotify, is a huge Arsenal fan. I want to say it was Spotify, right? And he was very much like, hey, if the fans want me to buy Arsenal, like, I will do it. Like, I'm an Arsenal fan, which is, like, the dream. Like, I wish there – I wish Jeff Bezos came out – tomorrow or mark zuckerberg was like man i've been a newcastle fan for like the past 15 years like it'd be so cool if i could buy them but that didn't happen and this is like a dream scenario if you're an arsenal fan because they do not like Kroenke. um and like he put together the guy from spotify put together a a a solid um like ownership group that was ready to buy arsenal if given the opportunity like willing to spend billions of dollars blah 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 and Stan Kroenke came out today and said he has no intention of selling Arsenal. So <laughs> I feel so bad for Arsenal fans. Um, and it's very interesting because they're in a weird situation where um, I think one of my friends, Mike Goodman, he's a really good, uh, like, give him a follow if you're into stats. Mike L. Goodman, really good guy to follow for that stuff. He writes a lot about stats and expected goals and all this crap. Mm-hmm. Not crap, but all the other stuff that, like I do not understand. Um, he made a really good point of like his mentions were full of people who were like, like we need to get rid of Cronky because like he's not spending enough, but also wanting another owner to come in and spend a lot of money. 
and just like the the irony of being like we want to get rid of Kroenke because like he's not a good owner even though he spends a lot of money but then we want another owner that will also spend a lot of money and it's just like like I don't know it's just a weird state in the Premier League and if you're a big six fan you kind of have to look in the mirror and be like damn like is the big six killing football and kind of really reflect hard and long about that because it's a tough thing to struggle to, to, to like deal with because yeah Premier League is there's not a lot of parity like there just there just isn't like it's just it's non-existent MLS has better parity in the Premier League that's yeah, not even a hot take it's just yeah. true like <laughs> yeah uh okay now I want to talk about C Bruce so if so say I mean it's obviously looking this way but say we are safe we can't clinch it in this upcoming match against Arsenal but uh, we can pretty much put Fulham at the brink. I think Fulham still has a better goal difference than us. Uh, they do. Okay, they so do, but they but we have uh, like it would we would essentially have to lose to would, Fulham for it to to be interesting. Well, no, we. I mean, if we win and Fulham lose this next match, we would have to lose out, and Fulham would have to win out. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, in order. Yeah. Like it, it's like yeah. It, it there's a lot that has to go right for Fulham. Yeah. Uh, so. So it, we don't clinch it this weekend, but a win and a full loss pretty much. I mean, it, it gives us a 12-point lead with 12 possible points left to play. Um, and and no coming up against Sheffield, where who oh, actually, been relegated. to report, uh, we are tied on goal difference with Fulham. So big comeback there for the tune. Um, so, yeah, so we're in a really good spot. Um, but say we are, do make it. Uh, it seems like it will be. Is it just an automatic assumption that Steve Bruce will remain the manager next year for Newcastle United? It, it's honestly a bit tough because you can go either way here. Um, there, there still is, and I don't want to talk about the takeover, but <laughs> there still is a large contingency of the fan base that are, I don't know, I don't want to say confident, but they are still holding out for a potential takeover. If that occurs, there's just no way Steve Bruce is in charge. But on the flip side, I think there is like enough fears between this season and last season. And again, availability. Like I think one of the big things that is just on, I think like it's underrated, but we kind of forget about when Rafa and, and that, that split happened, there were not like a lot of options to replace Rafa Benitez, which is why it was such a big deal. Um, and a lot of the and a lot of the folks who we were linked to, like Arteta and uh, Vieira, again, Arteta is probably like uh, uh, probably would have been really good for Newcastle, blah blah, blah etc. But Vieira, like looking back on it, it's like, ah, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty. And then again, Newcastle was not an attractive job. I'm not saying it's an attractive job now, but like just seeing the fact that since Rafa has left, we've spent essentially like almost a hundred million pounds. That's better than like taking this job two years ago when Rafa left where Newcastle literally had just broken their, uh, their transfer record signing and brought in an MLS player uh, in McGomero and that a mini premier league clubs were not tracking, et cetera, et cetera. So I think now Newcastle are in a, in a unique position where if Mike Ashley's still the owner, if he really wants to move on from Steve Bruce, he can. 
Um, there, there's some names out there that would be at a minimum as good as Steve Bruce is now. Uh, and, and Eddie Howe, and, and uh, you can go down the list of, of just like sort of young English managers, just managers who are available. I'm not going to say Rafa Benitez because I think that ship has sailed if Mike Ashley's the owner. But like, again, there are managers out there that would be willing to to join Newcastle. Even coaxing uh, Sean Dice from Burnley is is still a possibility. Would it be attractive football? No, but it's probably you feel better about Sean Dyche being the coach than Steve Bruce. So I think it's something to definitely think about. And this season is probably if you're Mike Ashley, there were moments where you were thinking squeaky bum time for sure. So again, I'm not going to say Steve Bruce is going to get fired, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. If that makes sense. I don't know if that's fair, if I can say that Greg, but I wouldn't be shocked if Newcastle sticks with Steve Bruce, but I wouldn't be shocked if they moved on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of wild to think about. There's reports that Eddie Howe is is waiting to hear back from, um, New, uh, not, or he's waiting on Celtic because he's talking to Newcastle, which is just crazy to think about. And then uh, you can, I, mean, I, I don't know. It's I just don't think it would ever like. I think to, he's a hundred percent no brainer going to be our manager next year, but I kind of hope that could be better. Yeah. And again, like Mike Ashley is a, is a man, is a guy who like, if you show an inclination that you are interested in taking over Newcastle and you're willing to work, like, I think that's the thing is with Mike Ashley, he does not want to woo anyone. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like if someone is willing to just come to Newcastle, which again, is a possibility. I think he's game for it. And I'm sure he's fine with eating the cost of the, especially with kind of an odds and ends sort of thing with the, the potential that Newcastle could just get a free four mil roughly from uh, the premier league, just with how promotions going from the championship. Yeah. I'm sure he's fine with that. So if, if that's the case and Eddie would like to manage again, join his, his boy Graham Jones and manage Newcastle. Sure. I, I again wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't happen. Yeah, I would be more surprised if the takeover happens. We'll put it like that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's transition into some odds and ends now. Uh, just real quickly to mention, the U18s sorely got punished by Aston Villa in the FA Youth Cup. That was kind of tough to take. They lost six to one. U23s beat Crystal Palace two nothing though. So congrats to them on that. Uh, and then, oh, actually, let's stop there and let's do BS meter, which I was I wanted to start with, but I just jumped into the youth team. So let's do BS meter uh, because it's, it's, a lot of people for you. It's and, a brown liquor pod, so and I, mean, I have a um, I have a BS meter for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, it we're brown liquor pod, so it's, you want it's me to start with it, or do you want like yeah? Why don't you warm us up? Okay. And then once we're once we're a little lathered up, I'll I'll come in hot with a with a with a take for you. Lathered up in the old BS. Um. Ah. So let let's start with let's start with the one that's probably got the most discussion. The one that probably is on the minds of many people. There's been a lot of talk about Joe Willock. Um. And the rumored number that's out there is a twenty million pound price, like asking asking price. And I also, now that I think about it, now that I'm doing this in my head, I feel like I might know who you're going to bring up. And so 
I'm just gonna guess when you when you come up. I'm gonna guess who you're gonna say. Okay. Yeah. All right. But anyway, Joel, 20 million pounds. I feel like that's a fair price for a 21 year old English midfielder that has provided you with goals this season has looked somewhat competent in defense and is a ball carrying midfielder, the 20 million pounds seems fair, but that's kind of what we're hearing as the asking price for Joe Willick, either as a straight up purchase this summer or as a loan to buy for next season. Greg, how do you feel about that BS? Is that likely? I think we know how Steve Bruce feels about that. I'm feeling like it, that seems like that, that's a, that's a signing that could happen in my opinion. Um, yeah. So I think you asked me this, our last pod we did episode 173. And I think I said, I see something like Isaac Hayden type worth and I'm going to check myself. I think I've been wrong across Joe Willick, sorry, right across Joe Willick, obviously across the board. Yeah. And I think I'm hundred percent right. And, uh, I think, uh, I, I think you were saying that you see his value as like Isaac Hayden S like 12 mil. And I was like, no, his value is probably closer to 20. That's what I said. And like, I definitely said that. And then, um, and I think I was right. I think it's more looking like it would probably have to be 20 million. He's a guy that's scoring regularly. Um, and like I said, in the past, he's just like, when he first signed on, he's just a, could be a really big player for us. So I think, because of the goals that he's put it in 20 is probably going to be realistically what it comes out to be. Yeah. And again, like uh, you look at Newcastle I and, and you, and some, and honestly, it's really weird because this BS meter, a lot of these signings make sense for where you look at what Newcastle needs to improve. At. It's like you look at Newcastle center backs. So it's like, yeah, a younger center back is something that we probably should need. And that's some players we've been linked to. And again, for the longest we've been talking about upgrading in the midfield and bring a different type of player than Maddie, Sean, John, Joe, et cetera, et cetera. And Joe Willick is that kind of player who we don't have that ball carrying midfielder that we had in Mo Diame or Musa Sissoko, which it's kind of crazy. We trashed those guys for so long. And it's almost like you really don't realize how good you've got it until it's gone. Because like Musa Sissoko, uh, I would take him in this Newcastle team right now simply because he's a much better threat to carry the ball forward than John Joe Shelby, which again is saying a lot about John Joe Shelby more than Musa Soko. But again, same with Modiame. It's one of those things you just don't realize until it's kind of gone. Uh, so yeah, I think this is realistic. I think it could happen. I think it, everyone wants to happen. I don't think Arsenal's really attached to Joe Willock as they are, you know, maybe an Ansley Maitland Niles or something like that. Another player that's kind of probably going to get loaned out or on fringe. Um, and Joe Willock seems to really be enjoying himself and, and making friends and such. And Steve Bruce has been very vocal about wanting Joe Willock. So I think this is something that probably gets done. I actually envision this being a loan to buy this summer um, and everyone kind of being happy with that. And then Newcastle reassessing it in the season. And I can see that simply because one, Newcastle don't want to spend money first and foremost. And two, you don't want another Kennedy situation. And so you kind of push for the loan to buy so you don't have a Kennedy situation where a player in their second season alone with the club just is not as good as they were in the first season. Yeah. All right, moving on, next player. Uh, so we got Nuno Tavares, who, again, FIFA wonder kid. If you're a big FIFA guy, you probably know about Nuno Tavares. Um, of course, he plays for um, Benfica. He's a right back. Uh 
obviously, and he can play left back as well. Uh, but just an all around sort of like nice young prospect again, Portuguese league, not a ton of Premier League interest off rip, but a player who, like a Zhao Felix, who maybe down the road you could see someone splashing the cash on. But for now, it seems like there's a lot of it's a little bit quiet, nothing really to, uh, you know, say, oh, we need to sign this player right now. But, yeah, Newcastle are linked to him. Again, right back, left back sort of build. Thoughts? Yeah, I think it's uh, – I mean, I, I don't see how – I don't see that a player at Benfica would make a move to a bottom-of-the-table Premier League side. I think the lowest that he would go – is at like a mid table side or like an Everton. Yeah. Um, I think that's the lowest. Like, I think if you're at Benfica, the next move to a top five league is a team that like is a top half table team. I just don't see that. If we're trying to get him, there's, I think probably some other clubs that have the means financially to get him and then will. Yeah, he's in a weird situation where I think he's one year away from being one of the big signings coming mm-hmm. to the Prem. Like, it's one of those, similar to when Newcastle missed out on Taglaficio or Taglaficio, oh my where gosh. it's like, oh. <laughs> could have had him for five mil, and then yeah. we're like, no, we don't want him. And then he's now like a 45 million pound player. Uh, maybe not that high, but at least in the mid 30s, he's he's really good. Yeah. Um, this is one of those situations where, like, if you have the opportunity, if you're Newcastle, you should pull the trigger because he's going to be good. I think people's stock in the Premier League on Benfica might be down just based on how Spurs ha- handle Jetson Fernandes. I think that's really how you say his name because it's Portuguese, Fernandes. Yeah. Uh, just like he was a really good talent for Benfica, 18 years old absolutely bossing up the Portuguese league and came to Tottenham and just was not good. So I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, I agree with you, but uh, the, the counter to that would just literally just be wages. Um, at a certain point, it's like he's at Benfica. He's probably, he's likely recently signed a new deal. His contract's through 2024, but it's nowhere near how much Newcastle would offer him in terms of wages. And there's also just that in the back of your head, knowing that you could easily go from Newcastle to, uh, a mid-table or upper-table team in the Prem if you play your cards right. So I- I'd say there's a little bit of BS here, maybe like a uh, a pickup truck full of BS. I think there's interest. Will it happen? Maybe not. Newcastle are in a weird situation where uh, do they need a left-back or right-back right now? Not as much as they need Joe Willick. Mm-hmm. But I could see them shopping around. Uh, Emil Kraft obviously is not, not cutting it. And yeah. Uh, Jamal Lewis hasn't made an appearance in like almost four or five matches at this point. So I could see them having some interest. All right. We're going to move on because uh, we're, we're, I'm going to interject. I'm going to add one mine in now. Do you want to okay. guess first? I'm going to guess yours was Tammy Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. 40 million pound offer. I'm yeah. going to say this. I'm going to say this now. I don't think Newcastle will do this. Unless there is a takeover, but 40 million pounds for Tammy Abraham, I personally think is a steal. And this is why oh. Tammy Abraham under two different managers, double digit goals, 
despite literally like nobody believing in him. I just feel like he's good. Like, I feel like Chelsea made a huge mistake, and I've been on the record, and my Chelsea friends know this. When they signed Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, and Hakeem Zayach, I was like, why would you sign two players that would compete with Tammy Abraham and two players that essentially you don't know what their position is after Tammy Abraham scored like 15 or so goals with no penalties? Like, that's impressive to me is you have the wherewithal to score fit. It's very like Ollie Watkins, very Dominic Calvert-Lewin-esque. Like last season, we we're talking about Tammy Abraham potentially having a key role for the English national team. And literally, he's not in that situation right now, purely because Chelsea are trying to, you know, force a a, 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 a round shape into a square peg in, in Timo Werner and Kai Havertz and trying to make these guys work when Cliff's not working right now. So I do think like Tammy Abraham's linked to a lot of teams for that 40 million pound price range. And I think it's going to be the next sort of Chelsea player that got away the next sort of De Bruyne where like, I think Tammy Abraham was a player just based on his physicals, based on his just kind of what I've seen from the movement he brings to a team. The fact that he's able to do it regardless of the circumstance. I think he's a guy who can get you double just goals in the premier league. And so by that, alone I think he's going to be a guy where you look down there and like damn how did Chelsea let this guy walk away yeah I so some of my concerns with Tammy are so one the biggest thing is that he hasn't scored in 2021 which is kind of a kind of a big deal the other thing is like he I guess he doesn't I, I don't know where I'm, I don't think I wouldn't say it's a steal. I think it's I think it's warranted the cost for him. So like at the beginning of this year, he had what six goals in the first three months of the season, something like that. Uh, but then, like I said, hasn't scored this new year, and now he has the ankle injury, which is a big, big chunk of time. I think he got yeah, like March or somewhere like in March since March, he's been with an ankle injury. But uh, he went on a little bit of a cold spell, but it's also weird how he's being played because he's getting like 25 minutes and then he'll start and he'll get 10 minutes and then he'll get a half and then he'll get 20 minutes. So it's like just very like weird deployment. And I feel like any player that can mess up. I agree with you. He could be a 10 goal player, a 10, 10 plus goal scorer in the Premier League. I have no doubt. Um, so I think 40 actually might be like, hey, I think it's a good deal, but I don't think it's, 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 it's bang on. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, fair. I, and, and I only say this deal because Newcastle he's like, oh, go ahead. I also say yep. Newcastle, complete BS. Newcastle won't do it. They've been there and they've done that. That's what they'll be saying. But uh, Tammy, I don't think many people would argue that Tammy Abraham has way higher upside than Joe Linton two years ago. And again, um, we were looking at Tammy Abraham. We're talking about a player who's 23. And we know, like, I'd say his floor is double-digit goals the next four Whoa. seasons. That's his floor, regardless of where he is. Because, again, like you said, inconsistent playing time this season. Six goals this season, again, inconsistent playing time. Not a lot of starts. Playing 20-so minutes off the bench. If you're including sort of cup matches, all that kind of stuff, he's at double digits. He had a hat trick against Luton Town, which again, if you're comparing him to Jolinton, Jolinton has not had a hat trick against a League One or League Two side. Like that's just not happened with Jolinton. So it's or Jolinton. 
So I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's a player where if you commit to him being your number nine, similar to Callum Wilson, I think Callum Wilson is a good comparison for him. Like if you commit to him being your number nine, you're going to get 10 to 12 goals out of the guy. Like you're just going to. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. All right. So moving on, because we, we definitely have probably gone ridiculous amount of time. <laughs> um, a couple other players, Newcastle were linked to a striker in the Belgian league uh, at Young Boys. I'm pretty sure that's the Belgian league, right? Yes, I think Young so. Boys is Switzerland. Oh damn, I, I'm off. I'm off today. Sorry, Switzerland. Jean Pierre Insame. Uh, he's been a beast this season. Uh, 26 appearances, 18 goals as a striker. 27 years old. Newcastle linked to him thoughts on this is it is it feasible is it possible does it make sense yeah i feel like we were linked to a, a young boys player oh it was our former player uh what was his name we he used to play at newcastle he went to young boys uh and we were linked back to getting him um let me i'm just gonna do a real quick search yeah do it and I'm I'm at a loss here. Kevin I'm looking. Mbabu. Oh yes, we were linked to Kevin Mbabu. Yes, that's yes. true. He was, at, and now he's at. Who is he at? Is he? Yeah, he's in the Bundesliga right right now. He is on Wolfsburg. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So there's there's reports, and I actually saw a um, couple things. I I know about this player a little bit because he is. Like I guess, I guess uh, I guess the what I've seen is he is like so. Obviously, we're looking for a striker with these rumors. So uh, he's an African national. He is a was he? Am I looking to the former? Is he a former Mets player? Yeah. So he he spent a lot of time we in the Angers. He was at Angers. Alger, and then Amion, like he played, Amion. he played, he's a, he's a league one guy. That's right. Sure. So I remember because we were linked to him, this guy, when he was at Met. Because we were not linked. at Met. He was at Amion and he's at Anger. He was not at Met. Oh, he wasn't at Met. Then I don't remember this guy at all. So I don't know it's, this guy. It's, so here's the thing. So it, again, it's one of those. Like, I'm not sure what the asking price really would be. I think it's one of those Newcastle are inquiring about the player because if you're taking Swiss, you know, take Swiss League out, like say Swiss League's not important to you, you're like, whatever, Farmers League, blah, blah, blah. In Europa League, Champions League qualifying, and Europa League qualifying, mm-hmm. he's got seven goals, which means that he's got seven goals against somewhat decent competition. So it's like I can understand uh, people wanting to, you know, put forth resources and money towards him. Also, nine assists this season in total in all competitions. So, like, uh, legit, like, it's one of those where I can understand there being interest. I don't think that this will happen because I think that the young boys uh, asking price is going to be a little higher than Newcastle want to pay for a 27-year-old player. So that's my reason I don't think this will happen. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Moving on, we're going to go someone else. Excuse me. Uh, we'll go to uh, t- a couple of center backs we were list- 
um, link to Christopher Ahair or Ajer. I cannot say his name. This is a, a little bit of a hot commodity um, amongst Premier League clubs. 23 years old. A, a few Premier League clubs are linked to him. Um, he's definitely set to leave Celtic this summer. Absolute oh, beast, dude. Yeah, absolute beast. Um, as a as a defender, um, he's got a goal and assist this season. But who cares? Has start has started ninety one percent of Celtics matches this season. Um, and twenty three years old. I want to say also the captain, but don't quote me on that. I think he he might be a, he or, or something like he's like he's he's an important player for Celtics. Um, but yeah, Newcastle linked to him alongside a host of other clubs. It'll be interesting to see who actually goes in for him because a lot of clubs have interest, but some of these other clubs have also been linked to other center backs that they like Tottenham and, and Milan and but well, both Milan sides and Arsenal. Like they've been linked to a variety of center backs. So I'm curious to see will they go all in on this guy or not? Will Newcastle go all in on this guy? Because again, like I said, we've mentioned this before. Newcastle do have good, they have solid center backs, but. They are all old. So um, Jamal Sells is our youngest center back uh, in the first team, which is insane, but it's the truth. So uh, yeah. thoughts on this? Yeah, I think I think Newcastle should go after, go after these type of players more often. But, uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. We yeah. And they were close to the guy that signed for Liverpool. Not going to get too, let's be honest. Yeah, it's true. And they were close to the guy uh, who signed for Liverpool. I forgot his name. Uh he literally played in this past match and picked up a yellow and I've completely forgotten his name. Um, so there, there's that. Um, that's the, that's the kind of night we're having here uh, at yeah. the old CHN podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see who's next. Um, we've got Danilo Dokai, who is a um, Dutch player um, kind of trying to find the next Van Dyke uh, plays at Rotterdam could play as a center back as well as a defensive midfielder. So probably a little bit more of a ball playing guy, uh, 22 years old, another player in New- Newcastle. Wow. He's not from Rotterdam. He's from Rotterdam. He's at Vitesse. Wow. Came through the IX okay. youth system and moved to Vitesse in 2018. Got it. And he's killed it there. Um, again, another player who valuation on transfer marks, like 2.2 mil us dollars. So probably a hidden gem, a little bit rare for Newcastle outside of the Rothmanitas era. Era. So um, curious to hear your thoughts on this. You think it's BS, or you think it's it's something that could happen? I just know almost nothing about this person, so it's it's hard for me to to get that. Get a in fairness, you're not alone. I, not a lot of people know about this person. I'll say this. Uh, uh, Transfermark doesn't even know how much he cost when Vitesse bought him. So it's, it is really out of the blue. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally out of blue. I'm going to say BS is times a million. I'm not going to say BS because it's a little bit weird. Um, there's not much like, I, I, I mean, we usually when we have stuff like this, like the agents pushing things, but that never really happened with Netherlands. Like, does that make sense? Like, I feel like, if a player is linked to a team and it's, it's legit because there's a lot of stock put in that league and air to Like, I think that there's, there's probably interest um, in Newcastle. They have signed players. And again, you could call it Serafi influence or you could say it was before him or I don't really care. 
from different leagues that may, you know, maybe other teams aren't interested in. So I, I don't know. Um, again, the fact that they were in, I've discovered the player once again, um, that we were talking, we were linked to at Liverpool, literally on like about to sign the dotted line, Liverpool swooped in at the last minute and stole him from us. Uh, Ozan Kabak, he was at mm-hmm. Schalke beforehand. And before then Galatasaray, another player who, seemingly came out of nowhere no one was really talking about him blah blah blah, etc etc newcastle were in the conversation till the very end so again i could see this happening with dokai uh, as well or if I'm, i might be saying that completely wrong as well uh but that's all i have for bs meter i know we still have like at least 10 minutes of a show left so um i feel bad for everyone who's still listening to this it's probably like an hour long show at this point yeah but no it's uh, it's uh it's the longer the shows are the greater opportunity the listeners have to improve their quality of life so uh the financial reports with newcastle hasn't been released yet the one thing mike ashley's very good at is consistency and he's always the last one to do that just watford and newcastle haven't mentioned anything there (laughs) and then uh the hall of fame just any more american things into soccer the hall of fame of the premier league has been introduced and guess who is in it elijah tell the people is Alan Shearer, which again, we talked about this last year because in the inaugural class, he wasn't in it. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, as and this is the beautiful thing about American sports is that like Hall of Fame snubs are massive in, in American sports, especially in baseball, uh, because they have a notoriously really difficult Hall of Fame to get into. But yeah. the Premier League Hall of Fame, there seems to be no rhyme or reason to how these, how they select people because it's so early. Like, I mean, that's yeah. literally the only reason why is like, the Premier League is one, a very young league when you look at just Premier League. And then two, like this is the second class. Uh, the first class did not have Al- uh, did not have Alan Shearer, and I was upset about it, and many Newcastle fans were upset about it. I mean, and how do you so not that have is- your all-time leading scorer not involved? In- yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just wild. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I will say this. The Hall of Fame jerseys are sick. They're like all black Premier League jerseys. With mm-hmm. the gold numbers and gold lettering. Oh, that's sick. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, shout out to Alan. Uh, been good. Uh, there was a funny moment between Alan Shearer and Steve Bruce. So, you can look that up on your own time. That was that was cool. Yeah. yeah, Alan Shearer, Premier League uh, Hall of Famer. Congrats. Congrats. Okay. We are going to take a break. And then we're just going to preview Arsenal uh, quickly. And that will be the rest of our show. So stay tuned with us. We're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back at it. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, Elijah, Newcastle versus Arsenal, five matches to go. A win puts us pretty much in undeniable driver's seat for this one. Um, going talking about Arsenal is um, we lost two nothing in the FA Cup and then three nothing to them at Emirates. So you always say like Newcastle has a great chance to beat Arsenal, but they've pummeled us so far this year. But we are unbeaten in our last five five home matches. We are un we've won. We've lost once in our last eight and um, we have a chance to break a big record for Newcastle United. Do you know what that is? Most matches in a row unbeaten. 
No, but okay. It's not really a record. It's kind of a bullshit trick question. But it's the first time we could have back to back wins in the Premier League at home this season. <laughs> um, we'll also need to, in order to beat Arsenal, we'll have to score. And we haven't done that against Arsenal since September of 2018. So that's a long time. Yeah. Goals against them. So we, we've gone 480 minutes without scoring against Arsenal. Elijah, talk to us about some injuries. Um, oh, well, I, I can actually bring up something. So Jamal Sells, Isaac Hayden, Carl Darlow, Ryan Fraser, um, and Joe Willock are all out. Joe obviously can't play against his parent club. Uh, Fabian Chair did play 45 minutes with the U23s. So that's something to note. Maybe he's ready to come back. I'm not sure. Um, Arsenal, uh, also they've won one of the last five, by the way. I was literally about but, to bring that up when we were talking <laughs> like Arsenal, it's, it's been weird for them. Yeah. Um, well, real quick. So big, big thing to note before I'm going to drop this off to Elijah is they are in the Europa league semifinals against Villarreal on Thursday. And, um, and Unai Emery is the manager of Villarreal. So I guarantee you there's going to be a highly contested match. They're going to put a lot of energy into that. But they're hoping to have Lacazette, Mbamiang, who's the Newcastle killer, Kieran Tierney uh, will all be available for Thursday, apparently. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Elijah, take us away. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens as well because in the table right now, Arsenal are – they're they're not really close to a European spot. Uh, it's it's very. They'd have to do. They have to win Europa League essentially. Yeah. No. They, yeah. So like, if they want to continue making the money they do from Europa League, Champions League, that kind of stuff, they do need to win Europa League. And yeah. So that, and that was seems, in the Champions League birth was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Again, hilarious. Um. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Arsenal do because the Villarreal match is. It's important. It's a uh, huge match for them, especially I, I love to see – I'm going to watch that. It's Mikel Arteta versus Unai Emery. Like, come on. Like, yeah. the like the former Arsenal manager against the current one, like first match against each other. Like, hell yeah, bring that on. And as as a neutral, like I as a FIFA player, I'm going to see – not even as a neutral. As a FIFA player, Villarreal is a team that, like, I personally enjoy because there's a lot of, like – guys who could have been good that have been like have have somehow ended up at Viral. so like they always have like some of these players who are like oh wait like this guy he was good like <laughs> oh <laughs> like so you're there's always like Juan Foyt is there at Viral right now like that's just like one of those guys who are like oh yeah he was good at are you just gonna talk like he's a guy who almost could have made it Tottenham to Guerrero's like they've got uh, and then Chukweze is a, another player that I like to watch it. Who's at Viral now? He's Nigerian. He does well for the Nigerian national team. Paco Al, Al I can't Paco Alsis Alcasar. I can't say his name. Yeah. I, we all know who you're talking about though. Yes. Uh, of course we know him from his insane year at Dortmund. He's at Viral right now. Carlos Baca, the Colombian legend. Like they've got players who are just like, okay. Like you, you're a very likable team. And also just like, if you're looking purely on paper, you're like, huh, this team could beat a lot of teams in Europe, which again, is not the actual case, but you look at them on paper, you're like, okay, maybe they could. Uh, so yeah, this, this makes it interesting. 
Um, I wasn't even going to bring up Europa League. I was literally going to focus on the fact um, that we're being honest. Arsenal have not really looked good in their past few matches, like to say the least. It's it's uh it's been it's been rough. Um, outside of sort of the matches they should win, uh, in Europa League they beat Slavia Prague, they beat Sheffield three nothing. But before that, we're looking at losing to Olympi- Olympiacos in, in March, uh, drawing with West Ham. Again, not a bad result by any means, but Newcastle did beat West Ham. Um, drawing with, uh, sorry, losing to, to Liverpool 3-0. Um, beating Sheffield United, again, expected. Drawing with, with Fulham, that was a little bit of a worry work for Newcastle fans. And then recently losing to Everton in a match in which, like, they just, like, it was, I don't know, it was a weird one in... Arsenal dominated, but just like could not really convert. And that's just like not what you want to see ahead of a team in Newcastle that seemed to convert goals out of nowhere. It's just like a very much shaping up for this could be the one off match. And I said this two weeks ago when you're looking at the run of form and like running matches, I was like, hey, Arsenal's one that like Newcastle could probably come away with a win, like a 2 1 or a 1 0 win. And like, you just kind of are okay with that. And it's weird because I was not expecting us to like draw Liverpool. So I thought this Arsenal match would get us a 38 points, but to get us a 39 points, what a potential win would be huge. So um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Newcastle have an opportunity to potentially like actually walk away with a W here. It's weird to say this out loud and probably because I said this out loud, they probably will lose, but who knows? Yeah. So when we last played Arsenal they were actually in a pretty good run of form they beat Chelsea 3-1 Brighton 1-0 West Brom 4-0 beat us in the FA Cup 2-0 drew Crystal Palace and beat us 3-0 so a lot of wins one draw uh so this is a little bit different we're playing them a little on a town downturn so to give it a little bit of love they since their loss to Olympiacos uh, they drew West Ham, lost 3-0 to Liverpool, drew Slavia Prague, uh, beat Sheffield 3-0, then beat Slavia Prague 4-0, but then drew Fulham um, and then lost to Everton. So what I'm seeing now is they're they're going for it in the, in the Europa League. The thing is, like, what's important for them, you have to think from their shoes, like, they're going to be in the Premier League next year and the amount of money that they're going to lose – potentially by going all in another competition, isn't that great in comparison to what the money they would lose if they do not win Europa. Um, So it's, it's just, they have to go for it. Uh, So it's, it gives Newcastle, it does give Newcastle a pretty unique opportunity here. Um, And especially I would not be shocked if you see uh, some, some Arsenal players rested for their match against um, Newcastle. So Elijah, my question to you what does Newcastle United have to do to beat, to get three points against Arsenal? Yeah, I think you just can't be timid here. Um, I think, like, the Liverpool approach was fine, but I would much rather see how Newcastle approached West Ham in mm-hmm. the first half, really going at them. Arsenal, again, defenders not great. Um, this is a, a, a reoccurring thing with Arsenal this season. Um, I wouldn't say I would uh, like, I don't think Arsenal fans have confidence in their back line. So attacking that back line is going to be key. It's something I wish Newcastle would have done a little bit more against Liverpool because again, Liverpool back line, again, not great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that if you apply the pressure and and you can make that five three two feel like a little bit more of an attacking formation if you're able to do things like that, uh, really get Alex and Maxman in the space. Um, and like, I, I think Miguel Amarone has to step up. Um, like he just, it's unfortunate. He's, it's not a role he's familiar with. It's not a role he likes playing, but he has to get into some of those spaces and almost play as a cam that just works really hard. Almost like a Kevin De Bruyne where it's like, yeah, like you, you, you're you're in these attacking spaces, but you also just track back a bunch. And so yeah. I think he has to do that um, in order for Newcastle to really have an opportunity here. Um, I think it is possible. I think that, like, again, I have a lot of faith in the Arsenal backline being really bad. And again, like them resting players, because what really hurts us with Arsenal is Newcastle always create chances against Arsenal. But what kills us is like an Aubameyang or a Millsmith row or a uh, or a Lacazette just score it like it's it's like Newcastle have chances in these Arsenal matches they just stink at converting them and so if you take some of the Arsenal players that hurt us out of the equation altogether then I feel much better about Newcastle going against Arsenal because I know that at a minimum like you can see Newcastle play themselves into a draw here yeah so let's let's do it okay um Newcastle so 538 is a big favorite to Arsenal. They're 52% chance that Arsenal will win, 25% chance of a draw, and 23% chance of a Newcastle win. Okay. Elijah, what do you think will happen? Newcastle win this one 2-1, all but securing safety in the Premier League. I think, like you said, Arsenal rests a couple players um, after this match because, again, Premier League is not as important to them. They're in a good enough position where probably just given the form of the bottom seven-ish teams, if they could literally finish out 46 points and probably still finish like 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range, which is absurd to say, but like everyone in the bottom six, one, they have to, like a lot of those teams, majority of the teams play each other at least twice in, in the bottom six. Um yeah throughout right. this so like you're they're not there's not going to be a ton of points improvement and a lot of the folks in the bottom six play a lot of teams that are in the top half of the table so you can't expect all of those teams to pick up wins like it's it's actually pretty realistic that like 40 points gets you 12th it's it's absurd to say out loud but if you look at how who everyone's playing it starts it sort of makes sense uh, so I mean, Arsenal are kind of stuck because there's there's not like they would have to go on an insane run to really have a shot at Europa, and a lot of like it just from league performance, and a lot yeah. of things would have to go their direction. So like at this point, it makes a lot of sense to just go all in on Villarreal, rest some of your players, and hope that you win against Villarreal, and you know that you're you know gearing up to play in an important match in Europa League and, and secure some Champions League place because again, there's I'd say maybe a 5% chance to get to the Champions League. And if you have the opportunity to maybe make Europa League or like make Champions League, the price difference there in terms of like how much money you're making is substantial. So I, I think they're yeah. going to go all in on Europa League. You have to. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I think, uh, I think Newcastle, did you say two to one? I said two to one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm going with. Uh, uh, I think Newcastle, I think you, you, you're putting your money on Newcastle here. Uh, just everything that is 
at risk for uh, Arsenal, it, I, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want anybody to. Like, I wouldn't bet my money on it. No way. Yeah, and it's a weird one because it is a it's a weird situation where it's like there's there's no shame in the losing against Newcastle. Like, but it was also like an outside chance that you could you feel confident enough if you're Mikel Arteta that you can rotate and still beat Newcastle because when we played Newcastle when we played Arsenal last, they rotated their side a little bit and still were able to easily win. So it's a weird one where I feel like there's a combination of a lot of different factors that could lead to a rotated side. And if you give a full strength Newcastle side, which again, we're looking at Callum Wilson probably starting this match. He's played two or three off the bench. I want to say two off the bench. He's played yeah. substantial minutes. He's probably ready to start. Alan St. Maximin's probably going to start Miguel. You're going to get your big three from Newcastle starting. So you're going to have chances created. And instead of Joel Linton or instead of, uh, of Dwight Gale being on the end of it, it's going to be Alan St. Maximin or Callum Wilson. You kind of book Newcastle to score at least one goal in this. And if they score at least one goal in this, then I'm booking them to draw or win a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's awesome. I I mean, imagine another three points and then we can say Steve Bruce is one of the greatest managers we've ever seen. And what a accomplishment to be like doing a podcast, knowing that we have one of the best managers in the world. And that is that of Steven Bruce. Um, having, what would it be? It would be now five or five or six straight with at least a point. I mean, that doesn't suck. That actually is fantastic and doesn't suck. So uh, let's go get it. Let's get, let's, let's absolutely dominate Arsenal. Oh, let's like, they have nothing to play for in this league anymore. Um, we have all to play for to just secure it, just get it done, secure it, come to as close to securing it this week as possible. That's the goal. Um, that's going to conclude episode 174 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. That is the best damn host co-host in the land that is the best damn site manager in the land that is the best damn master's hat wearing man not even wearing a master's hat but yeah but i don't like the one you're wearing now the best almost alabama crimson tide looking hat i've ever seen and i hope everybody has a great rest of your week a lovely weekend because we're celebrating three points against our stall. We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the life. Love you guys. If you never win the club again, I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park. If the Gallagher's end in the rain, I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be your Jody. To live in Jody land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I've walked the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been a weird I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home 
dusty old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names. Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again. I'll brave the darkness in James's Park, in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound of me mother saying, Hitty, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. Pray the dog is in